When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to make our lives happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about using the summer solstice as an opportunity for self-reflection, and we'll suggest a possible alternative to avoid being the office's evil donut bringer. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, who is off to Kansas City, our hometown, very soon. Elizabeth, I wish we were going to be there together. Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and Gretch Winsteads won't be the same I, without you. I know, have one, have one with I'll me. eat a burger for yes, you. Yes, exactly. A triple, a triple Winstead. Yes. And before we jump in, we wanted to remind everybody about our upcoming book club discussion. Yes, we're reading Small Fry by Lisa Brennan Jobs. She's Steve Jobs' oldest daughter. It's a fascinating memoir about family and about growing up in San Francisco, and it's just fantastic. And we're going to discuss it in episode 230, which airs July 17th. So get the paperback now and um, follow our discussion. Or you can get the hardback or you can get the library book, but the paperback did just hit the shelf. So that's available if you want the paperback. Alyssa, this week our Try This at Home tip is to celebrate the summer solstice by revisiting your one-word theme for the year. Yeah, and if you're not clear what the summer solstice is, it's (laughs) June 21st. 
In the Northern Hemisphere, it's the first day of summer and it's the longest day of the year. In the Southern Hemisphere, it's the shortest day of the year and marks the arrival of winter. So wherever you happen to live, you can use the solstice, but you would just substitute winter solstice. Yes, you're either summer solstice or winter solstice. But the idea is the year is half over now. And so it's a good time to step back and think, okay, I picked my one word theme for the year. How am I doing? Now, the fact is some people do not like these somewhat arbitrary markers of self-reflection mm -hmm. and questioners. I'm looking at you because I know you <laughs> object to anything arbitrary like New Year's resolutions. It seems like it's often hard to remind ourselves to step back and reflect on have we made progress? Is there a way we can make better progress? Remember what we're trying to accomplish. So I think it's really useful to have these sort of markers, even if they are somewhat artificial markers, whether it's a milestone birthday or an anniversary or New Year's Day or the summer solstice. And so... Yes, I agree. Yeah, we're coming up on the summer solstice. So in episode 201, we talked, Elizabeth, about choosing a one word or one phrase theme for the year. Um, and we've done this every year, but in 2019, we talked about it in 201. And so let's check in on, you know, the summer solstice is coming up. How are we doing living up to our one word themes? So some of my past words, Gretch, just to give you an idea, have been free time. I remember style, that. Style. Yeah. Ha <laughs> Style. That one continues. Hot wheels when I got a car that, finally in LA. Novel. Home and control. Yeah. Um, this year, my theme was actually a number, the number six. Now, I think this really caught people's imagination. It certainly caught my imagination. It's very intriguing, but it seems like people like really got into this idea of the number. Yeah. And just to explain to everyone what it means, I'm a type one diabetic and a very important number for me is my A1C. A six is an amazing A1C. So, I want to get to a six, and also I want to get to a size six, mm. back to a size six. And when you're diabetic, weight and your numbers are kind of intertwined because mm -hmm. often losing weight, eating less, helps you have better glucose numbers. So these so things work all together. of a piece, mm -hmm. yes. But part of it is just my vanity. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Mm. But so six is my theme. Now, I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, I've kind of stalled out though. So I'm down to what I would say is a size eight. So, okay. so that's I'm at an eight. I still need to get to a six. So I'm part way there. Um, I kind of stalled out because it like my career stuff has been so insanely yeah. stressful yeah. that I'm kind of just struggling to maintain right now. So I need to re-kick it, you know, into gear. But I think that sometimes just holding your ground is an accomplishment. You had so much upheaval kind of individually and then kind of industry-wide. And then we did our live shows. So there was all this traveling. I mean, there was just like so much going on that sometimes you're just like, if I could just stay where I am, that's progress. And then as far as the six for my A1C, I've definitely, my A1C has gone down. I don't know how close I am to six right now because um, I'm scheduled to go see my doctor in a couple of weeks. So I'll get my A1C tested then and have a better idea. Um, but I'm definitely on the road to six. And when I say six, it doesn't have to be exactly six. It could be 6.2, 6.3. So I'll have to Instagram my A1C number so people can see where I'm at. Well, I have to confess, like when you prick your finger and look at your thing, that's not your A1C. That's a different measurement then. 
So you have to right. go to the That's doctor. That's just a glucose number at the moment. Your A1C is sort of the overall average oh, number um, for like three months at a time. So your doctor has to tell you that. You can't be looking yes. at that all the time. Okay, that's interesting. No. And Gretchen, one funny note is that I told Dr. Bush, my doctor, that six was my theme for the year and what it meant. And he said he was going to put it in his speech. He travels oh. around the world giving speeches about diabetes. And he said that was going in his speech. Oh, that's so great. Very proud. <laughs> no, that's great. Oh, taking it big. Okay. That's, yeah. that's great. So it sounds like you're making good progress. You're feeling good about where you are at the summer solstice moment. Yes, but I'm ready. I've got to use the summer solstice to like kick back into high gear. Right. So what are you going to do to re-engage, would you say? I'm going to go back to what I was doing, which is going to bed earlier. That is the key because then I'm not tempted to drink wine. I'm not tempted to snack. I have more sleep, so therefore I have more energy the next day to like keep up good habits. So that's my big plan. I think the stress had made me sort of get back into watching The Real Housewives late at night and snacking and having wine. So I'm getting back into sort of the 1030 bedtime. And have you done the thing where you set an alarm for your bedtime? No, I should do that. Do that. That that works really well for a lot of people. Because you just sort of, and you know, there's a way to do it so that it, you set it for every day. Eleanor just showed me this. Like, yes. I was setting my alarm yes. every single day. You can do it. Oh where it's my like, gosh. Yeah. No. Yes. Okay. That's okay. That's bonus happiness uh, hack for anyone who doesn't know yeah. that you can do that in your phone. Okay, Gretch. Now that's where I am on my theme. Remind us what your theme was. So in previous years, I've had, there's like definitely a theme to my themes. Upgrade, bigger. I think you might have picked smaller that same year, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Lighten up, repurpose, and delegate. And gosh, repurpose and delegate, I think about all the time. Those were very, very significant themes for me. This year, my word is growth. And I have to say, I think I'm doing pretty well. Oh, good. Outer Order, Inner Calm came out, and that was the bestseller, which was huge for me. Uh, we did the pledge show together, which was amazing, kind of mind-blowing thing of growth. And we've talked about how the atmosphere of growth, we experienced both the the good side of the atmosphere mm-hmm. of growth and the kind of more painful side of atmosphere of growth. I'll post a link if people want to see clips of us doing that together. We did our live events, the four live events that we did, which yes, I- that, that was, was growth. That was sure. huge growth. I recorded for the first time. So 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill is a book that I published in 2003. This is a mm. long time ago. And at that time, audiobooks just weren't very big deal. And so they never really wanted me to record the audiobook. And then finally they came back and they're like, wow, so many more people are listening to audiobooks now. Do you want to go back and record it? So that was sort of growth in the idea that I returned to something from my past and Mm -hmm. revisited it and kind of thought like, well, what did I think of it? What would I do differently now? Like now that so much time has gone by, even in the world, like I look at Churchill and that his life and his legacy differently in some ways. So that was really cool. I hit a million subscribers on my email newsletters. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. The video courses. I had never done a like year-long video course. Did that for wow. the Happiness Project experience. And it's been super fun as I've been doing the book tour. I've been meeting people who are doing it, getting to meet them in real life as well as like having the phone calls and stuff. So that's super fun. And I'll put a link to that if anybody wants to know about for next year, the Happiness Project experience. What's interesting to me, Gretch, is your word is very much about like challenging yourself to kind of put yourself out there, your neck, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I have two other things that are sort of cooking. It feels too early to talk about them. 
I feel a little superstitious. But yeah, these are all things where it's sort of slightly outside of my comfort zone. Not recording the mm-hmm. audiobook, but the other things were all like very kind of fraught. There was a lot of yes. like, <laughs> is this going to work? And how do we going to pull this off? And I've never quite done this before. And um, so that's exciting. And that's where growth happens. I feel like growth is always like a little bit uncomfortable. Yes. I want to accept myself and expect more for myself. But expecting more from yourself sometimes is a little bit challenging. I maybe I'm going to try not to grow so much this summer. I may have a summer I'm of just yes. the summer of Proust. And I'm just like, that uh-huh. will be my growth is reading Proust. <laughs> yeah, relax, like, let all yeah. that growth settle in. Yes. And then you yes. can, and then in yes. the fall, yes. you can start yes. growing. You can have another <laughs> growth spurt. That's right. Maybe it's two growth spurts and a little bit of a, like a little bit of a mellow period. Yeah. And Gretch, what can people do? Like if they're reflecting and they feel like, oh, I'm really not embracing my theme the way I mm. wanted to, what do you suggest they do? You know, you and I are sort of the same, which I think for both of us, it's like making a list of kind of concrete things that you could do. Like, what could that look like? What are some steps you could take? Um, Everything from little things like I'm going to set my alarm on my phone to go off at 1030 every night. That's very, very simple to do to something much bigger, which might be like, I'm going to go for a daily hike every morning. But I think for people who are feeling maybe kind of adrift or maybe like they picked a somewhat abstract idea, they might need to translate it into action. So it's like, what are the concrete steps that you could take and that you could like check off or not that will help you know whether you're making progress or not? Because I think, you know, and it's also like to Dallas, we talked about what we did and where we want to go. Sometimes reflecting on everything you've accomplished. And I think summer solstice is for this as well. It reminds you of like, well, maybe you're, you haven't exactly achieved your aim, but you've accomplished, you're moving toward your aim. And that's, you know, it's, and the year is only half over. So I think really pushing yourself to be concrete, at least in my experience, that's what helps me the most and seems to like be the most practical thing is really to try to be very concrete. And that's true for upholders, questioners, obligers and rebels. Like rebels, it's like, don't put it on the calendar. Don't put it on the to do list. Just make a list of the things that you want to do when you Mm -hmm. feel like doing them. If you ever feel like doing them, these are the kind (laughs) of things that you might want to do. It's like make that list and get fired up about it. Yeah. So good. Let us know if you do try this at home and how using the summer solstice or the winter solstice, depending on where you are in the world, using that as an opportunity to reflect on your one word theme works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 226 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that will help you not be evil donut bringer. But first, this break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. 
LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, Gretch, it is time for this week's happiness hack. And it's a hack that has to do with um, the evil donut bringer, which we <laughs> talked about way back in episode three. Yes. The evil donut bringer who brings donuts to the office. Yes. And makes everyone suffer the smell of donuts <laughs> all day long. Well, we should acknowledge this is hotly contested and many people really vociferously object to the <laughs> idea of the evil donut bringer. So that being said... So this is something where if you, because here's the thing that's interesting about the donut bringing. I just read a study that a very considerate listener sent to me, which was about a very small study that was in the UK about office cake, which I guess is how they call evil donut bringer. Mm -hmm. And the really interesting thing about this study to me was that it showed two things. One, that people bring office cake in. It's often store-bought, so it's not like some special, you know, homemade thing. People acknowledge that it made it hard to eat healthfully. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If it was there, people would eat it. People would feel guilty if they didn't eat it. People felt like it wasn't healthy to eat it. And at the same time, people very highly valued the social benefits of office cake. Mm -hmm. That huge percentage of people said that it cheers people up. It brings people together. So here's the thing. And I think you and I, as people who are on this side of anti-evil donut bringer, have to remember is that there is an important function served by the donuts. Like people crowd around, they get very excited. Like there's benefits to that. There's social value right. to that. Yes. But there's also the donuts, which we don't want to mm -hmm. eat and whatever, have their own costs. So this is where the hack comes in. How do you create the kind of excitement and sense of like people coming together and being really interested in something without the donuts? Because like as much as you talk about all bringing in cut up vegetables, like no, it's not going to have the same effect. So Eliza... Mm -hmm. My daughter, who's a sophomore in college, was telling me that, okay, so they have a, like a tutor. That's like kind of your residential advisor is what I would have called them in college. These are the people who are sort of your, your advisor and they have a group and you meet and you're supposed to like kind of like be uh, like, a, like a social unit for each other and support and it's kind of friendly. And from time to time, he plans these sort of little activities for them to do. So this is the hack. She told me that he brought in the Miracle Berry. And then mm -hmm. all this like lemons, limes, pickles, cheese, mustard, all these things to try. So Miracle Berry, if you don't know what it is, because I did not, this is Sincipalum dulcificum, if I'm pronouncing the Latin right. 
It is a berry that is native to Africa, and you can buy these online. You don't get a berry. You get the berry mixed with cornstarch that is made into a tablet. And if you put this tablet in your mouth, it coats your taste buds and it blocks certain taste receptors like sour and bitter so that anything that you taste will taste much, much, much sweeter. And this effect Mm. lasts like 30 to 90 minutes. Oh, wow. And it's like mind-blowing. You know, Eliza was like, everybody was just like, oh, my gosh, taste this, taste that. Like, it's really, lemon, she says, tastes really, really sweet. If you taste something like cream cheese, it tastes like buttercream frosting. And here's the thing. I went online. I ordered this. I wanted to do this with Eliza and Eleanor before we recorded this, but we couldn't get our act together. But I went ahead and got the tablets. You get 10 tablets. I ordered them online. 10 tablets was in a pack was $17. So if you were going to have, which is in one way expensive, in another way not that expensive. So then you'd have to buy like lemons, limes, pickles, whatever. So people could have a taste test. But it seems to me that this would be a pretty inexpensive way to have a really fun kind of group activity where it's like everybody would be kind of like, oh, this is so interesting. And like, I've heard about these things, but like, what is it really like? And what do you taste? What do I taste? It seems like it is that getting people together and having kind of like a fun little adventure. A conversation piece, icebreaker. Yeah, even better maybe because it would get people talking and kind of sharing their experiences in a kind of a, I'm sure, kind of a delighted, excited way. Even more than like coming in and grabbing a donut and leaving. Yeah. So I just thought that to her, the person who organized this, I thought this was, because we talked about, okay, you could bring in a Lego set. You could bring in, you know, you could bring in a puzzle. If you're not going to bring in donuts, what would you do to bring people together in the office? And I thought, this is a great solution. It's fun. Miracle berry. Miracle berry. Yes, it's a miracle. So we will try. I'm going to try it. I will report back. Yeah, I have to try it with Jack. Yeah, oh my gosh, right? I mean, I'm sure a little kid would think it was crazy. And I will post a link to a little bit more information and a place where you can buy miracle berries if you want to try it out in your office. I hope people do try it in their office. Like, if you try it in your office, let us know how it goes. I will be desperate to hear about that. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a know yourself better question. And this week, our question is, are you an old soul or a new soul? And we came up with this because you were at your reunion recently. Yes. And this topic was being discussed. Yes. I was at my college reunion and I went to a panel discussion and someone, a panelist observed of herself that her sister had said she was a new soul. She said, my sister believes in reincarnation. (laughs) And she says, I'm a new soul that I'm learning everything for the first time. It's like everything is the first time for me. I was like, huh, that's an interesting thing to say about your sister. Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of a dig. Yeah. You're a new soul. Yeah, yeah. Well, she said it's sort uh, of like, you're a little bit naive. You're a little bit like awestruck. So yeah, it probably has good things and bad things. But it got me thinking like, it's sort of an interesting thing to say. Like, are you an old soul or a new soul? Because you often hear people say that about children. Like, oh, that child has an old soul. Um, yes. So I started thinking like, Am I, am I an old soul or a new soul? Elizabeth, are you an old soul or a new soul? What do you think? What are we? What does it mean to be an old soul or a new soul? What do you think it means to be an old soul or a new soul? An old soul, I guess, is, you know, how adept are you at maybe handling adversity? Because I feel like an old soul has been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe sort of how street smart and resourceful are you? Mm-hmm. Like, I see people who know how to do things, and you're like, how do you know how to do I know. I know. Like, <laughs> I have you know? Exa- I'm like, how did you know that? How'd you figure that out? Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe you've been here before. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you think of a new soul as being someone who's kind of naive or like in the kind of negative sense, but then also in the positive sense, like someone to whom like everything is fresh and interesting and like is kind of very enthusiastic mm -hmm. and very kind of like everything feels kind of novel and exciting to them. So it seems like there's probably good and bad to both old souls and new souls. So here's the thing, Elizabeth. I emailed mom and asked her, our mother, and asked her whether she thought we were old souls or new souls, because I was curious. What ah. do you think she said? Take a guess. Um, what does our mother think we are? That's like, I it's not even like, what know. do we think we are? What do our mother think? What does our mother think we are? She said she thought we were both old souls. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because I think mom is an old soul. Mom is definitely an old soul. Yeah. Dad is more of a new soul. He is. Because he he's so enthusiastic. Yes. It feels like only a new soul could be that enthusiastic. But, and about he's life. interested in everything. Like there's yeah. nothing that he would be bored by. Like, I feel like you could sit down and, I mean, like, talking about our careers, like, he is deeply enmeshed in, like, the minutia of the most boring aspects of, like, being yes. a TV writer or a book writer. He knows, like, yes. the most, like, stuff that, like, Jamie definitely doesn't. I mean, Adam does the same thing you do, so he kind of knows it himself. But, like, Jamie knows nothing about, like, how my deals are structured and stuff like that. And Dad, Dad is, like, way into it. So he's like a sophisticated new soul, I guess you would say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not bad to be a new soul. No, a new soul is like fresh and fun. And also, I feel like it's more like I can figure out an answer for this. Like, I know how to get where I need to go. I can. I, yeah. 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 It's what, weird because I feel like in some ways I'm an old soul and in some ways I'm a new soul, which is maybe how most people feel. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why you notice it if someone is really predominantly one thing or another, because most of us are a mix it's kind of yeah. like abstain or moderator. Most people are sort of in the middle, but when someone's very much one way or the other, you really notice it. Or underbuyer, overbuyer. A lot of people are neither underbuyers nor overbuyers. But when you are an overbuyer and underbuyer, it really stands out because it's more extreme. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm just well, that's curious. That's a fun question. Yeah, yeah, I know. And when this woman said this on the panel, I was like, that is such an interesting way for your sister to describe you. So yeah, let us know if you're an old soul or a new soul, or what do you think it means to be an old soul or a new soul? It's an interesting question to ponder. Yes. And now, Elizabeth, for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can send us a question, a written question, or a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And this week's question comes from Teresa. She says, I am an obliger, but my snoozing habit seems to be stronger than my tendency. I have tried every trick in the book, using an alarm that generates bright light, setting multiple alarms, using an alarm that releases essential oils, having my favorite song as my alarm, even putting my alarm across the room. Yes, I get up and walk to the alarm to hit snooze and fall <laughs> right back into bed. You name it, I've tried it. I definitely get enough sleep and I often wake up at that first sound of my alarm feeling ready to get up but the habit is so ingrained that I still hit that snooze button. I have also tried scheduling important appointments or meetings first thing in the morning. So if I snooze, I'll be late. But every time without fail, I convince myself I can get ready faster this time, hit snooze, and of course, show up late. I feel guilty and embarrassed for being late, but the feeling never stops me from snoozing again. Oh, this is funny common problem. Yeah, if you don't know what Teresa's talking about, about being an obliger, you can take the quiz and learn about the four tenancies at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. 
Well, one thing is, I think, just even aside from the tendencies, Elizabeth, like she says she wakes up, but then she wants to hit the snooze alarm. I wonder if she's really more of a night person. So maybe she should, instead of trying to get up earlier, mm. she should try to start her day later. Instead of trying to make the appointments mm. earlier, she should try mm-hmm. to have everything just start later because maybe she's just going against the natural rhythm her of nature. her day. Right. Maybe hitting snooze is just part of her life. Yeah. But here is the larger point that I would make on the fact that Teresa is an obliger. None of the things here have to do with outer accountability. Even setting the appointments or meetings clearly is not working for her. That might even be obliger rebellion because being deliberately late Mm. for things is a form of obliger rebellion. But everything else she has is completely not outer accountability and those are not working as outer accountability. And that's something for obligers to remember. If there's an inner expectation that they want to meet, like not using the snooze alarm, they must have outer accountability. And not all forms of outer accountability work for all obligers. And this is not working for her. So she needs to find other forms of outer accountability. Something like having your favorite song as an alarm is not outer accountability. Mm. And that's part of why it's not working. So what could she use for outer accountability? Okay, so by this ends up coming up all the time for obligers. For some reason, like the snooze alarm thing, I've heard from many, many obligers, and there are so many ingenious solutions. So first of all, Elizabeth, when we did our live show, we actually met the people who are like the family of the dog, Elsa. Mm-hmm. So this is an example where somebody, an obliger said that she was having the exact same problem with the snooze, and her dog, Elsa, slept in her bedroom next to her bed. And so what this obliger did was she changed her alarm to be a recording of her own voice saying, Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? And <laughs> Elsa's like, jumps up on the bed and is like, absolutely I do. You know what I mean? And so then your dog is like jumping up and down on the bed. That's better than any snooze alarm. Yes. That was brilliant. Another one, an obliger who did not have a dog, used the social media management platform Hootsuite to set an embarrassing Facebook post to post Mm. every morning at whatever, 7.30 a.m., unless she got up to disable it. Ah, so she better put the computer, though, in a very different room or else you could just disable it and go back to bed. Yeah, I feel like that's high stakes enough. Oh, interesting. Eliza does a thing where your alarm won't stop until you do a mathematical problem, which is actually quite advanced. Oh, my gosh. I was like, okay, this would not work for me, but I'm like panicking. And that wakes you up. Yeah, and it wakes you up because you have to, like, really be awake to do the math problem. And then another one, and Alicia, we talked about this, I mean, I think in the first year of the podcast— an obliger wanted to read the Bible every day. And so what she did is she and her mother would every morning at 7 a.m. read a passage from the Bible to each other, pray for each other, discuss the passage, and like sort of that was kind of her alarm clock. And that was good because there's the accountability of knowing that you have to call your mom. But then there's also a secondary thing, which was she wanted this daily practice of Bible study. And so this was like two birds with one stone. So so the thing is, obligers are super, super ingenious at figuring out imaginative solutions to create, because you might think like, well, how easy is it to create outer accountability? It's like people come up with some crazy stuff. Yeah, I want to know if there are other ideas people have for the snooze alarm problem. It is, the snooze alarm is its own happiness stumbling block. Well, and you, I know you're trying to go to bed on time more. Do you struggle with snooze? No, I have my snooze system. I snooze once Mm. and that's it. Yeah. I think one snooze is sort of pleasant. After that, it starts feeling 
Like what for, gets me out of bed is that I really want a cup of coffee. Mm. So I imagine the coffee. Yes. And then that, that you. gets me out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in another place, if you are searching for outer accountability ideas, if you go to the Better app, which is my free app, you can search Better Gretchen Rubin in the App Store or go to betterapp.us if you're on desktop. And there's so many kind of discussion groups there just for obligers. And there's all kinds of there's all kinds of places where you can talk to other people about things that might have worked for them. Because I think we can all, like, a lot of times you just need a good idea from somebody else. You don't have, you know, like, don't reinvent the wheel. Just, you know, crib somebody else's solution. That's a great resource. So, yeah, let us know. Snooze. What works for you? Coming up, I give myself a demerit about the end of the fix. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars, and it's your week for Demerit. Yes. So, okay, Gretchen, our show The Fix concluded on ABC, our 10 episodes. And, you know, it was exciting to have it on, but it was also sad that we didn't get a season two, but we're very proud of the 10 episodes. Well, that's the context. And some moms at school had said to me, oh, we want to do something for the fix for the last episode. Mm. We should, you know, get together and watch it, which is so nice. And they even said like, well, so-and-so will have people over. Or someone said, all I can have people over. But I said, no, I should have people over. It's my show. I've been wanting to entertain. I talk about that on the podcast all the time. I said, I'll have people over We'll record it because 10 o'clock on a Monday is not a primo time to have people over and then we'll watch it, you know, like the next day at like eight o'clock. I said, I'll do it. And I thought about it and I talked about it and I never did it. And I'm just very bummed that I didn't follow through. Do you think it was because it was having people over and so it was kind of the entertainment thing? Do you think it was sort of like being the center of attention that it was your show? Was it like the kind of anxiety around the season pickup? Like what was going on? I think it was a combination of things. I think one, I really was depressed that it hadn't gotten renewed. So I thought, why am I celebrating this? But of course, as we know, ritual of completion is always good. So that would have been a good thing. I think I do feel very nervous about entertaining. I mean, truthfully, that's probably the number one thing. But also I sort of felt like, and this is mixed with the entertaining, like who am I to ask people to come over here and watch my show 
it seemed sort of, I don't know, too self-important. Mm. Yes. Like, oh, why don't you come and, you know, eat cheese and watch my show? But everyone had been so genuinely enthusiastic about it. And I think, well, if if they invited me over to watch their show, I would want to do that. But I somehow I still feel insecure about people wanting to come over. But what about having agreed to go to somebody else's house then? Yeah, I could have done that, but I just felt guilty like it's my show. Mm. It should, should be at host. my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe I should have said yes to that. It's just a lesson that like I'm trying and trying, you know, to entertain, to be social, to make connections. And yet my insecurity and being too much in my head still gets in my way. So something yeah. to improve on. Yeah. Um, lower, what lower, about lower you? the bar. <laughs> yes. Lower the bar. What's your gold star? So I want to give a gold star to Blythe Taylor Lord. Now, I have been a friend of Blythe's for many, many years. We went to college together, and I recently saw her at my college reunion. And I was talking to her about what she's doing. She is the founder and executive director of the Courageous Parents Network. Now, Blythe, many years ago now, had a baby with Tay-Sachs disease, which is a rare inherited disorder. She and her husband lost that baby, and that was many years ago. And out of that experience, she's created something called the Courageous Parents Network, mm -hmm. which is this amazing resource. Now, I had known that Blythe had created this, but somehow I had never gone and really looked at it online to see what was there. And it is an extraordinary organization. It's a nonprofit for parents of seriously ill children, children with life-limiting conditions, to help support and equip families to deal with all the issues that arise, to help them feel supported by a community, help them get the information they need. And there's also a lot of help for, you know, other people who are involved, like the health professionals or mm. grief counselors, other family members, like anyone who's trying to support the families that are going through this situation. It is just extraordinary what is there. It is just this vast, rich resource that she has created. And, you know, it's really one of these examples of, like, you go through something in your own life, and from it, you feel like you can redeem your experience by helping others. And I think that that is, you see this as just this amazing thing that she's created. So I will post yes. a link to Courageous Parents Network, and I'll also post a link to her story and about how she came to found Courageous Parents Network. And so I just want to give a gold star to Blythe and for everyone at Courageous Parents Network, because it really is an extraordinary resource and is something that came out of a, a terrible, painful situation. But from that, Blythe has really created something extraordinary. It's wonderful to know that that's a resource for people who need it. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Celebrate the summer solstice by revisiting your one-word theme. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. Thank you to our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us for free wherever you get your podcasts. The resources for this week, do you like to color? Many adults are getting into coloring. I have a coloring book called The Happiness Project Mini Posters. And you can color and pull out these little posters to frame or give to a friend or stick on fun and corkboard. It can be a great gift. 
If you want to see and get a free sample page to give it a try, you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources. And we were just talking about the Better app. Go to betterapp.us on your desktop or search in the App Store for Better Gretchen Rubin. And there you can have an accountability group. You can talk about habits, happiness, the four tendencies, outer accountability, anything we talk about on the podcast. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. So, Elizabeth, you know, the summer solstice reminds me of one of my favorite lines from The Great Gatsby. What is it? Um, So it's Daisy, and she says, Do you always watch for the longest day of the year and then miss it? I always watch for the longest day of the year and then miss it. Mm. So I always feel like I don't want to miss the longest day of the year. I don't want to miss it. Enjoy. Now we won't. From the Onward Project.